The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Wipperfirth, Winfield United Ag Technology Applications Lead. Today we have Jim Hedges, a corn and soybean farmer based in central Illinois and Director of Insights and Partnerships for Winfield United on the phone to discuss planning for 2018. Jim, looking ahead, how do you optimize ROI potential next year? That's a great question because we're in a pretty challenging year right now. So what I try to look at is what inputs can I cut back on and what inputs am I going to have the maximum response from? So what did my seed purchase, what kind of return on investment did I get from that, from the seed treatment, from micronutrient applications, from fungicide applications? I know the genetics that I'm planting are excellent genetics. I just need to make sure that I'm planting the right genetics for the system that I'm going to employ. So when I look at ROI, for my farm, I kind of follow Liebig's law of the minimum. So what things do I think are going to limit my yield? How do I address those things? And then what's the next thing that I'm going to address? So from an ROI standpoint, for me, it's about picking the right seed that matches my system's approach. And my system's approach, uh, we do late side dressing. So we put a front load of about 60 pounds of nitrogen on with the planter in a 2 by 2 by 2 band. And then we come back with a V8 to V12 application of nitrogen. And by doing that, I can really look at what the environment has given me or not given me to make a better decision. So if I can make a better decision in season closer to when the demand of that corn is really high for nitrogen, then I should be able to really max out my ROI. And the next step is really around fungicide. I've been using the CHT tool out of the R7 portfolio of Winfield United tools to make sure that the hybrids I'm selecting have a response to fungicide because that's part of my budget. Now we'll look at what the environment has once again given or not given before we make the final call on that. But those are the ways I look at things. It's about getting the potential out of that crop, not just settling for a goal that I have in the beginning of the year. Yeah, Jim, as you think about, you know, you talk about having a crop budget. And you obviously work with your farm down there. When does that budget planning process start, and how do you keep it updated throughout the year as commodity prices fluctuate? So right now, we basically have our 2018 budget built, but it's pretty fluid. And we'll look at the commodity price because an application of fungicide is going to take more bushels with the commodity price that we're at right now versus when we were doing our budgeting process in 2016. That's okay. I still have that line item in my budget, and then as we start to move forward, that budget, it's really fluid, and it gives me the ability to, say, move some of those budgeted dollars from one category, whether it's population on seed or fungicide application into another category that might give me a better ROI. So our budget is really kind of an ongoing budget, and all we'll do is we'll adjust the line items as we start to prioritize where those investments are going to go. So you've got a lot of decisions that you've got to control in there from the finance sector to the equipment side. You talked a little bit about seed selection. 
What are your expectations of the different seed brands and the, the opportunities to place seed on your farm? What are the expectations that you set on your farm for somebody who's got to help you with those? That is an awesome question because I lived through this this year. I just came on board with Winfield United maybe six months ago. We'd already made our seed purchase decisions, but when we saw the tools, particularly CHT tool out of R7, all of a sudden it was just like the clouds parted and the sun came out because that is my expectation that the seed seller comes out and has the knowledge around what hybrids I should or should not place into my system. So we talked earlier about the things that I do and the way I manage, and we manage both corn and soybeans at a fairly high intensity level. So I want to make sure that the hybrids I'm placing not only work on the soil types and not only have good data from the area that I farm in, but I want to make sure that they fit how I'm going to farm. Because if I'm applying fungicide to a non-responsive hybrid, then I'm probably wasting or not getting the maximum return on investment of that product. So when I ask a seed seller, hey, does this hybrid have a high response to nitrogen or fungicide? If I get a kind of a deer in the headlights look, or I get an answer that doesn't really stoke me full of confidence, then that's under delivering on my expectations. If a seed seller can come in and they already know how I'm managing my system and they can bring really crisp data around those things that I've talked about, now I'm impressed and they have over-delivered on my expectations. It sounds like there's a lot of corn people out there in conversations I've had with you in the past. Uh, how does somebody differentiate themselves on what they know about their soybeans as they come out there? You know, there just seems to be this endless confidence in somebody's best corn hybrid, but how does somebody differentiate themselves on soybean varieties? When you ask that question, it really it's really relevant to us right now because we've been doing a lot of work this year in particular around reducing our soybean populations. And we have some trials out where we've planted blocks at different populations, and there's different varieties out there. And when we're looking at them, uh, we were out there the other morning before we could start cutting soybeans, and we've always said, okay, this is a bush, this is a medium bush, this is a narrow-type plant. But for me, really understanding the branching potential of that soybean to me, that has come from probably a non-existent place in what I thought about to very important now as we start to trim down soybean populations. So, for instance, Joel, I found a plant. Now, this is going to be on the extreme. It was in a 50,000 population block, but it had six full branches heavily potted, and there were well over 400 pods on it. Uh, another variety right next to it had less than half that number of pods. So for me, it's maximizing my internode sites per acre, and I need to do that through population and variety selection. Well, 50,000 plants per acre, you know, if you were to do an 80% reduction in corn population, your neighbors would visibly, at 55 miles an hour, stop and get out of the truck and think you're crazy. Does anybody even spot you at 50,000 down there at 55 miles an hour? Well, one uh, reason they don't is because we put it out in the middle of the field so nobody does think I'm crazy, Joel. <laughs> uh, but you, you do see it. I mean, the blocks, the lower the population becomes, the shorter the blocks are. It's pretty interesting. Now, 50,000, we're not even thinking about going to 50,000. We're just looking at what happens phenotypically to the soybeans. 
But we've got some really good-looking soybeans at the 90,000. But that's going to require management with really good seed treatments, really understanding the weather, those types of things. So I'm not saying that we're going to go out and plant 90,000, but we're definitely looking at how do we maximize our investment in seed. Yeah, so you know, when you think about variable rating soybeans, is that something that you've done for a long time and you've got a lot of experience with it? Or tell me about how you've brought that about on your farm. Uh, so, no, uh, haven't done it. I've been using a static rate until this year, and this year was the first year I did it, and it, once again, it came out of the R7 tool's ability to look at both biomass and build prescriptions as well as soil variability. So we, in particular, I have a lot of glacial rain. so you wouldn't believe, Joel, how many rocks I've picked up in the combine this year, and I know since I'm in central Illinois, nobody believes that. But the soil variability is pretty widespread across a lot of my farms. And when we were going static, I get back to my internoding sites per acre. Those thin soils, just I just did not have enough internodes, not enough pods. So now, um, using some variable rate prescriptions, we're overpopulating those areas. So we may be planting 145, 155,000 in some of those areas. And then when we drop off into some of the really good, dark, like a drummer Flanagan, we may be back in that population all the way off to 100. So on most of our variable rate scripts, we ended up at about 120 to 130,000 this year. Uh, but the results, uh, it was it's pretty incredible. We were under a lot of stress this year and basically had very little rainfall August and September. But the yields have been very consistent even from the lighter soils to the darker soils, which I would not have thought would occur. Now, is that all due to a variable rate prescription? No. But I think that that strategy of doing some overpopulation and some underpopulation probably paid off pretty richly this year. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfer, the Winfield United Ag Technology Application Lead. And joining us today was Jim Hedges, corn and soybean farmer in central Illinois and director of insights and partnerships for Winfield United. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. 